the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thanks for joining me this morning. I'm taking a week off. We're airing some interesting reruns this week. I'll be back live this coming Monday, January 3rd. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me on the radio today. Today is Thursday, December the 23rd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on December 23, 1783, George Washington resigned as Commander-in-Chief of the Continental Army, and he said he was retiring, these are his words, retiring to his home at Mount Vernon, Virginia. He probably chose today so he could uh, get on his horse and get home for Christmas. He was, however, well his intentions may have been, he was not actually retiring. He and his colleagues would write a constitution that is probably the greatest man-made document in the history of the world. He would also become president of the most powerful, the most blessed, the greatest nation in the history of the world. Today in 1788, Maryland passed an act to cede an area that was, quote, not exceeding 10 miles square, it was to be, it was given, <clears throat> excuse me, it was given, and it was uh, to be used for a national government of this new nation. About two-thirds of that area became what we know as the District of Columbia. Today, in 1928, the National Broadcasting Company, NBC, they set up a permanent coast-to-coast -coast network. Today, in 1941, during World War II, American forces on Wake Island, they surrendered to the Japanese. It was brutal, to say the least. Today, in 1948, former Japanese Premier Hideki Tojo and six other Japanese war leaders were executed in Tokyo. Today, in 2001, Time magazine named New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani as Person of the Year. The reason they said that he was Person of the Year was because of his steadfast response to the 9-11 terrorist attack. It's interesting how the man of the year fell out of favor when he became a visual, outspoken, public supporter of President Trump. Five years ago today, the United States allowed the UN Security Council to condemn Israeli settlements in the West Bank and East Jerusalem as a flagrant violation of international law. The decision to abstain from that vote, the council voted 14 to nothing. The United States didn't vote, they abstained. That was one of the biggest American rebukes to its long-standing ally, Israel. There is every reason in the Bible to support Israel, specifically because God told us to. He said, I will bless those who bless Israel. I will not bless those who don't. That's God's message to humanity. 
to sovereign nations on this planet. I don't know what about that they don't get, but apparently they don't. And that was one of the big blunders in America. I think it's probably related to a poll that came out just this morning from Gallup. They do this every year right around Christmas. Their timing is suspect to me, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But let me just mention a couple of things that they're that's out there today, and I noticed a lot of newspapers are publishing this and the content, not just that there was a poll, but the fact of what the poll is finding. There's a lot of reasons why they get to the conclusion they are. It's the way they ask the questions, and there's a whole bunch of stuff involved in this. And again, we're not going to get into that today. But what they're saying, and it's in a lot of newspapers today, The vast majority of Americans have a religious preference, they say, predominantly a Christian one. That's good. I would say amen to that. Then they say, though, (laughs) that percentage is declining. At the same time, much smaller proportions of Americans say that religion is very important to them, that they belong to a church or that they regularly attend religious services. They say in their introduction to this poll, it's pretty extensive, too. They say, according to an average of all 2021 Gallup polling, about three in four Americans say they said they identified with a specific religious faith. By far the greatest proportion, 69% identify with a Christian religion, including 35% who are Protestant, 22% are Catholic, and 12% who identify with another Christian religion or simply as a Christian. 7% identify with a non-Christian religion in America. Let me pause there just for a moment, just on the side. You would think sometimes, by the way the news treats Islam in particular, but others as well, you would think that more than 50% of America was that particular religion, particularly when it comes to Islam. But that's not true. 7% of America are something other than in their own self-testimony, are something other than Christian. 2% in America are Jewish, 1% are Muslim, and 1% are Buddhist. And the other religions are significantly below 1%. 21% of Americans say they have no religious preference. 21%. 3% said that they refused to answer their questions. It was interesting. I looked it up. I remembered this. 50 years ago, in 1971, 90% of U.S. adults identified with a Christian religion. 6% were non-Christian or another religion, and 4% did not have a religious preference. It's interesting It's interesting how the decline, if it's indeed there, and there's a lot of reasons why that may not actually be um, accurate because of the way they ask the question. And a lot of people, because they're not a member of a church, they say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nun. In other words, I'm non-affiliated. And so all of that factors into this. But the point is that there is a decline in church attendance and church membership in America Uh, overall, how much it is, is probably up for question. But why comes to bear particularly because we have 
of public education that every single day of the year. They, they gird themselves as they go into these public buildings across America called schools, and they eradicate God. And if somebody says a prayer, they're out. If some valedictorian that had a four-point-plus grade average wants to say something about Jesus Christ, nope, you're out. That is repeated, and we all know that, and we talk about it on this program, and it's, it's rampant in our culture, and it's all done under the smugness of so-called separation of church and state. There's no such thing as separation of church and state in the way that it's presented. Thomas Jefferson never intended that. Neither did our founders, and most atheist activists know that. But they don't care because they get away with it. So that's what's taken its toll, that, among other things, neglect on the part of Christians themselves, and we have other things that can bring us to that point. But because there is a decline in Christianity and Christian values and the importance of Christianity in our nation today, we find that we are more tolerant of an assault on Christianity, on Jesus Christ himself, and Almighty God himself in our culture. We should not be so tolerant, because tolerance is not a part. It never has been a part of the secular progressive agenda. It's a tool to be used. They preach tolerance until they are able to dominate, and then they never use the word tolerance again. That's the worldly worldview, the secular, progressive worldview. But today we celebrate, and regardless of what's happening around us, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke said it this way, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which had happened. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I'm reading from the King James. Sore means very, like they were like really, really afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, the writer says, haste. They were in a hurry. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe. He was right where the angel said he would be, lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. Let me repeat that. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So the shepherds got the message 
They saw the Christ child in the manger, and they begin to tell everybody about it. And yet, at that time, they're going, wow, I can hardly believe this. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. These kinds of reactions to truth, a long time ago in a faraway place, was called a revival in churches. People were renewed spiritually. We need a renewal. We need a revival. The shepherds were beside themselves when they heard the truth and saw the truth. As Gallup says over time, we, that has the excitement and the thrill and the joy has somewhat subsided among some, but not all. And around the world, these next few days and this season, but the next few days in particular, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And there are the naysayers, and they're out there. They're out there, and they get published. They get some attention. They're going, oh, this wasn't really the day that Jesus was born. Nobody is saying that. What we're saying is we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. They need to go away for a while and be quiet. But anyway, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. There's a message out there. I want to talk to you a little bit about this today because I think it's something we need to be aware of. There's a message out there today from the United Nations, WHO, the World Health Organization, that's warning there's too much at stake to celebrate Christmas this year. That's sort of consistent with what Gallup is reporting, that there's a bit of a decline in interest in Christianity and religion in general. So I guess they're infected at the World Health Organization, but they're warning that there's too much at stake to celebrate Christmas this year, cautioning that it's better to either cancel it, they're saying that, to cancel Christmas, or to postpone it. London, the British, they have responded to this. They said this morning, they put out a statement this morning in England, they said it won't it won't introduce any new coronavirus restrictions until after Christmas. They're responding to this statement by World Health Organization. And they called early studies on the severity of the Omicron variant encouraging. Their health secretary, I can't pronounce his name, Javid, I think is his last name. He said two studies suggesting Omicron carries a significantly lower risk of hospitalization than the previously dominant Delta strain. He said it's not very clear yet, but how much that risk is reduced, but we're not going to introduce any new restrictions over Christmas. President Biden, of course, is silent. He has nothing to say on the matter. I do. If we proceed, WHO says, you're risking the death of a loved one. Cancel Christmas? Is this the latest attempt to silence the faithful, or is it science? I don't think it's science. I don't think they know what science is. And I don't even know. I just watch and listen. Just another guy out here in the crowd. But I don't think they know what. They're all over the place. 
They never say the same thing twice. They don't know. I know truth is evolving in their world and all that, but man, have you ever wondered what life would be like on the planet if there had never been a Christmas? If there had never been a Christmas morn where Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, was born in a manger and the shepherds saw him in the wise, all of that stuff. Have you ever wondered what it would be like? I've thought about that. This director general, the Ethiopian biologist, <laughs> this Dr. Tedros, he was put in this position to head up the World Health Organization by China. That's another story. We won't get into that today, but he told the journalists in Geneva this week, the fastest way to get back to normal is for people to cancel or delay Christmas events. He said an event canceled is better than a life canceled. It's better to cancel now and celebrate later than to celebrate now and grieve later. Interestingly, WHO has never before issued a global decree to cancel any other religious holiday like Muslims' Id or Hindus' Diwali. That's never happened before. Why would Christmas be canceled? Well, because more people are Christian. Well, so canceling Christmas is the fastest way in the mind of the world to getting back to normal. There's a lesson in that, and I think there's a takeaway in it. I'm sure you get that, as I do. Yeah, normal is not having some kind of a Christmas celebration in the minds of the secularists, particularly the activists. But what is normal? A lot of people ask about that kind of question, and they they ponder in their minds. I mean, as a pastor, I've heard this over the years. Even among kids, as a youth pastor, and their parents, when I was a senior pastor and so on, they ask, what would it be like, or what is life? What is the meaning of life? All of these things are a part of most people's thinking at one point or another in their life. I think that's why there's a certain movie that's so popular around Christmas time. Let me tell you a little bit about it, give you a background. In 1943, Philip Van Doren Stern, he wrote a short story called The Greatest Gift. He tried to get it published and nobody liked it. To no avail. The publisher said, no, nah, we don't want that. So he went ahead, he wrote his short story, he went ahead and printed 200 copies himself. And he distributed those 200 copies to his friends and all of his family members at Christmas time. And he said, hey, I wrote this and I think it's pretty good. And I just wanted you to read it. I think it's appropriate at Christmas time. One of the booklets somehow made its way to Hollywood, where it eventually fell into the right hands and it was converted into a screenplay. And they changed the name. They changed the name to It's a Wonderful Life. The film, It's a Wonderful Life, Debuted in 1946. Tens of millions of people watch that film annually. They're watching it now. It's all over the place on the networks and all the cable and so on. But Stern's short story was actually published the year before. Not as a book, but as a feature in Good Housekeeping magazine with the title, The Man Who Was Never Born. story is well known, and of course, the troubled man named George is rescued by a theologically incorrect. The theology of the movie is pathetic. I mean, it's it's way off 
biblical theology. Let me say that up front. But George is rescued by this theologically incorrect angel named Clarence. You know the story. Everybody knows that story. In an event to, he was, the, the angel was trying to earn his wings. That's, that's not in the Bible, folks. But anyway, Clarence shows George how terrible things would be in Bedford Falls if he had never been born. Hollywood kind of got, finally, that this story connected with a lot of people. I wonder why global leaders don't get that. I think they do. That's the real problem. But what if Jesus had never been born? I put in an article today that I wrote. I put a link to an article that was written by Nathan Busnix. He's the executive vice president and dean of the faculty at Master's Seminary. He's also uh, one of the pastors on, on staff with Grace Community Church. He wrote a good article. He said, I'm just summarizing it, but you can go to the link there. It's at faithandfreedom.us, our website. He had three points, and he delivers it very well. He said there would be no salvation from sin, there would be no victory over death, and there would be no mediator between a holy and righteous God and man. If you have time, I would encourage you to go to our website and and just click on it. You'll see it in the article I wrote today about this subject. But you can read his whole piece that he wrote about that. There's also a book that I read once, some time back. It's titled Unimaginable, What Our World Would Be Like Without Christianity. It was written by Dr. Jeremiah Johnson. He teaches early Christianity at the seminary at Houston Baptist University in Houston. Johnson looks at the question from a cultural perspective, and I want to take a moment today and do that. The single greatest change that Christianity has made to our world culture. Now keep in mind, first and foremost, Jesus Christ came to save us from our sin because we cannot save ourselves. That is the message of the gospel. That's essentially what the shepherds took off and started telling everybody. The little song that is sung often still sung often, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. That That's the spirit of the shepherds. When they saw the truth, when they had an encounter, a personal encounter with the truth. And that is the, the, the very heartbeat of Christianity. That is the foundation of Christianity. All of the other stuff is related to the fact that God became flesh, was born of a virgin, and ultimately gave his life and was resurrected from the dead by the power of God. He paid the price for our sin, a price we could not pay. But that is not just as much as the left wants it to be. That's not just a belief, a discussion that should be kept in a building somewhere, or in a manger stall for that matter. The intention of God was to save us from our sins eternally, but that we would go out and become the light and the salt in this earth, in this decaying culture in which we live. Christianity has impacted the culture in ways that no other religion, quote-unquote, ever has or ever can. In the pre-Christian world, the gods were indifferent to humanity. Even sometimes they were jealous of them. The, The gods that these people served... Joshua talked a lot about that, these other gods he talked about. But you find it woven through the Old Testament. I mean, the prophets were very aware of what people were doing. And they were saying, no, there is one true and living God. 
that's been the message of, that's pre-Christianity and certainly the message of Christianity in the New Testament. In the pre-Christian world, the gods were indifferent. They didn't care about humanity. And if there was some religious thought that where they did, they were often jealous of their so-called subjects, the people. But Christians proclaim the true and the living God, that he is love. God is love. For God so loved the world, they proclaimed, that he gave his only begotten son. And people, the, the thinkers, the elites, Paul spoke to them often on their level. He was an intellectual elite who had dedicated his heart and life to Jesus Christ and he became a voice, an oracle, a messenger for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they had never heard anything like this. They were stunned by it. The shepherds and the elites, the lowly and the so-called highbrow society, they were all shocked by the message because it isn't really a religious message. It's from Almighty God himself, the creator of all things. Ancient pagans had never heard of anything like that. The idea that God actually loved them and had sent his only begotten son to die for them was almost incomprehensible. They said, well, you, you've got to, what is this? That's why Paul proclaimed the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Christianity, it also focused the world on the truth, that there is only one true God, not many, as the pagans have. How many times was Paul himself beaten up and thrown in prison? And what about Peter and the others? These people hated the message at first, but then as they saw the light of truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ, their hearts and lives and their actions were changed. The world had never heard of such a clear message. It back, was backed by hundreds who in the beginning had seen Jesus after he was raised from the dead. They knew he had been dead. Now he was alive. Most pagans believe that the gods felt little to no compassion for humans, and the gospel of Jesus Christ stands in complete contradiction to all of the pagan beliefs. Oh, it changed the culture forever. America would not exist had it not been for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It changed a woman's role in the culture. The regimes of Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin and Mao Zedong and all these guys, they're all known. They were atheists because they had rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christianity is the only faith that holds the view that God himself has purchased our redemption. In no other religious thought or system do we find God or a God who serves and suffers for humanity and does so, bringing about redemption. Christianity is unique. It is really not a religion. It is an expression of Almighty God telling you and me He loves us. When the angels appeared to the frightened shepherds, they announced the good news of the great joy for all, be for all people. Man, the shepherds couldn't wait to get out there and share it with somebody. I thought maybe take this thought with you. You'll be seeing friends and family over the next few days celebrating Christmas on Saturday. Maybe there's somebody that needs to hear the gospel from you just on a personal level. Share it with them. 
Hey, thanks for being with me today. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for your support as we come toward the end of this year. I'm going to be taking next week off. We're going to be running a few reruns. I'll be back live on the first Monday of January. But thank you for your support. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.